Vodka. 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 Hey everyone, it's Amber Love and you're listening to the Vodka O'Clock Podcast from AmberUnmasked.com. You can sponsor the show on the website, just go to Patreon.com slash AmberUnmasked and you can pledge as little as a dollar per creation, which basically means a dollar a week. But hey, if you can do more than that, that's even more awesome and I appreciate it. So, um... There is some bonus content, so if you back the show, you have access to some things that other people do not have access to, and um, and usually backers get my news first, so things like what I'm working on and who the guests are, um, usually backers find that stuff out first. So today, my guest is actually one of my dear friends, and I thought that this was a, a great thing to do because um, we're going to be working together, as we always do year after year, on a big fundraiser, and it's just nerdtastic, and all of the geeks come out to New Jersey. So um, I you know, just wanted to have a chance to talk to, to my friend Gareth. Gareth is here, and guys, welcome him, and don't forget he actually does tutorials on the website, so go check those out too. Hey, how are you? Not too bad. How are you? I'm good. Okay, so um, we are definitely going to be talking about the charity stuff and the charity work. And the way that we met was through cosplay because it was somewhere, I think, in Baltimore. I ran into you as Batman. And from there on, it was, you know, just constant camaraderie. So was uh, when was your first nerdy cosplay experience? Probably the very first, I mean, aside from doing Halloween every year, and I was one of those kids that continued to do it through teenaging and stuff like that, um, but the very first time I put on a full-on costume was for the Dark Knight premiere back in my hometown, and that was a rather hastily put-together version of a bat suit that survived just that one night, and it was the Batman Returns suit that Michael Keaton wore uh, back in 92, I think. And I had worked on it for several months, getting the cowl refixed, because I got a cowl used, and it was very abused from its previous owner, so it had to be like refinished and repainted, and I had no knowledge on how to do that, and I had to uh, stick the fake armor front to the the suit I was wearing, which in what was probably a good idea, but ultimately I had no skill set to do it properly, was a wetsuit. So I showed up to the Dark Knight premiere, the Midnight premiere, wearing a wetsuit with a latex facade strapped with clips and a... Uh, badly painted cowl. That sounds like it would be really hot. It roasted me. Wow. Um, so, But how was it when you got there? Because I've heard uh, a lot of my friends actually do these movie premieres, and I've never done one. So what's it like? It was a lot of fun, actually. Um, part of the reason why I dressed up was I knew one of the people who was coordinating the midnight premiere event, and I got in for free with the ticket or with the, the costume, and I co-hosted a costume contest for other people dressing up for the show. And so I was going along with a couple friends who were also dressed up as other characters. They were naturally all the villains, and I was the hero. And 
the people loved it. Like all night up until they let people into the theater, like to the actual screening, people were getting photos with us left and right. People getting with their kids with mixed results because half of them were cranky because it was a midnight premiere and they were dragged along out to see it with the parents. That sounds like a big mistake. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, there's, from my experience, there's a certain cutoff with the age where it's cool to be up at that time and to see it. And it's like breaking house rules to see a midnight premiere movie. But if you're below that age, it's a nightmare. Yeah, it's a, it uh, definitely sounds like it. Because, I mean, it's different if they're small enough that they're just going to sleep through the whole thing. But, you know, if you're trying to force your kid into enjoying something, that just sounds really wrong. I know that, um, so that was like the, the 1989 version, as you said. And when I met you, you were wearing a different version, one of the Nolan-type ones. Um, so where did that come from and did you i mean did you just immediately pitch the 89 one or did you hang on to that for a while so that that suit didn't survive past that night i kept it around and thought i could probably fix it at some point but ultimately um when i was trying to take some of uh, the straps off of it some of the latex was tearing and ultimately i just i pitched it um but the suit that you met me wearing was uh, the Dark Knight suit that uh, the Replicas released uh, a couple years back. I was one of the, the first buyers for the suit. It's um, motorcycle armor. And that was I think that was actually Pittsburgh. Was it Pittsburgh? It could have been. Because um... I think that, yeah. That was, that was the <laughs> that was the first time I actually wore that suit. <laughs> I had bought it and received it earlier that year and I just didn't have any shows to wear it to and I finally got all the pieces assembled for that show and came out for it long story short my sister uh, was stationed in Pittsburgh and so I came out for my birthday to go visit her and then as a birthday present she bought me the ticket to the show and here I am going in blind into uh, a city I had no knowledge of and you were one of the first people that I met first walking into the show. And it was a really good suit. I mean, UD Replicas, um, you guys, I've actually, a long time ago, I interviewed um, the designer over there, David Pia. It was quite a number of years ago. Um, And it's a written uh, interview, so you can go find that on the website. And David is an amazingly talented, unbelievable human being. I mean, and they... I don't know what their wait list is like now, but I can remember years ago their wait list was like a year to put in an order and actually get a suit because um, I know the studio is a little bit different now. I think they've sort of expanded in size and, and merged a couple of things so that they're doing things that are more actual streetwear versus costumes. Like you can actually buy some of the motorcycle gear that, and it just happens to have a picture of the Joker on the back of it, that sort of thing. So um, when you bought the Nolan suit... Was that something that you were able to get, or was that a, a big, long wait period? Uh, it was still maybe, I don't know, uh, maybe seven or eight months before I received it. But I was one of the first, when they, let me back up, when they first announced that they were doing the suit as part of like their line, 
they had a very limited original make run of that suit, and I was one of the buyers in that initial run. So I received one of the first suits that they released, but it was still months before it was shipped out. And I had just started working in DC as a contractor, so it was like one of the first big gifts I bought myself for like my next phase of life for moving up from North Carolina. Was it the actual like entire suit or did you have to piece it together like a cowl from Reeves and a cape from somewhere? Oh yeah. Most of the suit is parted from other sources, but what they had originally was a package deal for the pants, the jacket and gloves. And then, um, later on they released boots separately. And I naturally bought the boots as well because keeping the same make, mold, pattern, texture, and the boots are really comfortable. Yeah, I've seen you, you know, you were up here walking around in the snow. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, the so it's UD replicas, and they actually are officially licensed. So they're, they have different products. Um, the... Dark Nate stuff was like the first thing that I remember them getting officially licensed for, but I, I know that they do have other product lines. Actually, I'm going to cheat and pull it up on the online right now. Um, they have some Smallville stuff. I know that they're working on Kiss things because I've seen some progress shots on David's Facebook page. Um, oh, and they've got Halo. And like I said, the Joker motorcycle stuff because i'm it's not like i'm a fan of the joker i'm like really just over the joker like every single thing has had the joker in it i'm just kind of over it but um but the the joker motorcycle jackets are really really sweet and they have um i guess it's supposed to be batman beyond but it kind of looks like it could be robin but i guess it's batman beyond it's the red insignia um and then some really cool versions of dark knight stuff where it's like as if the cape was bundled up into the backpack kind of a thing. Oh, yeah, the backpack, yeah. Um, and, and yeah, the Smallville jacket is really, really nice, too. So definitely, if you're looking for one of those things, and I can't even imagine how much money you spent on that suit. <laughs> <laughs> this isn't just the UD replica. That, that alone was a good chunk. And then I went out and I bought... Uh, secondhand cowls. I don't know who originally made them, so I, I don't know what the pedigree for them are, or the, because I have two. Um, yeah, Reeves FX is the one that I know and have heard of the most, but I'm sure there are other people out there. I've had people say that the cowls I have are Reeves, but I don't know because, like I said, I I got Bucket. secondhand off eBay, and I don't know who who okay. bought them. And was Batman the only thing that you were cosplaying at the time, or um, were you always just kind of dabbling in, in other characters? For a long time, it was just Batman. Um, I identify with Batman a lot. Um, not to the point where I have a lot of merchandise, but I internalize the idea almost to my core. Well, I know that you do martial arts and... Um... And you're the brooding type that just, you know, stays uh, very, very quiet and nobody knows what you're thinking because you're thinking of everything. So, um, <laughs> um, 
but you know did you have some kind of like really tragic experience like batman like you know or Uh, orphaned at a young age and you know in an alleyway look my parents are alive okay uh no it's it's the idea that of all of the dc characters and i grew up reading dc so i'm of the two camps i'm dc comics but of all the characters of the justice league they all have great ideas and ideals that they live up to. But it's the same thing that you hear repeated over and over, where Batman's just a guy. Yeah, his superpower is money, but he's still... He has no no heat vision. He doesn't fly. He doesn't have anything magical about him. He's just a guy who's trained himself to be the best that he could be. And for me, to take the idea of trying to be the best that you can be and to live up to your own ideals just speaks volumes to me. And, I mean, those who know me also can probably see some of the more Japanese influences because I've traveled to Japan and I've studied a little bit here and there. By no means am I an expert, but I read a lot of, like, uh, the Bushido Code and a lot of the other old teachings and stuff like that, and I take a lot of that to heart. And it just kind of all kind of melts into one pot. I really don't know even anything about Bushido at all, other than what I can kind of gather from the little snippets here and there of famous quotes from, you know, like Sun Tzu. Hmm. But that's literally it. It's it's like just like a code of honor, like a means to um, how to live your day each day. So then you really kept with the, the Batman persona for a while. Um and I have to say that there's when we're talking about costumes and even from like a, a, a comic creating standpoint, when you're trying to find the right alter ego for a character, it's interesting how how different they are. Like, you know, we've seen the stereotypical women who have an alter ego and go out fighting crime end up wearing less. But the men end up like completely covered and masked and under armor and capes and everything. Um so with you, because I know that you actually are a pretty shy person, um, what does it what does it feel like for you to be inside? Because it seems like it's kind of a claustrophobic outfit to me. It definitely has like a psychological element to it. I have a lot of social anxiety when it comes to crowds, like especially at conventions. And it helps tremendously to wear something like the bat suit where, like, the cowl kind of cuts off some of your senses so you don't hear the crowd. Uh, Visually, you just see what's in front of you. You have a literal suit of armor that is protecting you from being bumped into or stuff like that. So that's another reason why I wear mostly full-on suits where um, I'm covered to that degree where it helps me deal with everything going on. So then there's no chance I'm going to get to see you as a 300 Spartan. <laughs> I don't have the <laughs> It's all airbrushed. That could work. I know they make uh, like latex bodysuits for uh, muscles, so. 
you had mentioned, you know, being at the, the theater late at night and there were kids there. And obviously you come up to New Jersey for Comic Fusion's charity event and we have kids all over, you know, during those two days. And obviously there's kids at conventions. So are they frightened of you or do they just know that that is Batman? So there's nothing to be afraid of, like sort of like the police identity. Like I can remember being told that as a kid, um, which I realize now is a very different situation. Wow. But when I was a kid, it was if you are lost or scared or whatever, you just identify with a uniform. And I, there was a story in the news last year where a kid went up to, I think a UPS driver or something. It was a UPS or cable. Somebody like, it was such a recognizable outfit that the kid felt safe going up to that person, which, you know, scary or good. I don't know, but it was a good situation in this case. So do you have kids that are just too scared of Batman? It has happened um, several times at uh, past events in uh, Heroes Con. It's a convention in Charlotte. Um, it used to be my old hometown convention, but hasn't happened recently. But what has happened in the past is parents with like like brand new parents with their young young children will see me as Batman, and then they want the photo op because here's the family with Batman because Batman's cool. And they get the idea of just having a shot of Batman with the kid. And they bring the kid over. And the kid just curls into a fetal position and starts crying. And it's like, I, yes, Batman's supposed to strike fear into people, but not like this. This is, this is uncomfortable. Yeah, Santa Claus has that same effect. The Easter Bunny is way creepier, <laughs> but I can, you know, I can see, see them breaking down with, with the Easter Bunny. Because you don't really get anything from the Easter Bunny. Yeah. But, um... Santa Claus is at least human. Yeah. Funny, it's a giant anthropomorphic rabbit. Yeah, and a lot of those costumes just seem kind of scary. Yeah. Um, but, you know, Batman is, he's meant to be intimidating to the bad guys. So um, it's different than, like, some of the cartoon versions of Batman. Like, the Brave and the Bold, he was, like, super cute. Oh, yeah. And, uh, yeah, I really like that cartoon a lot. I love that version of Aquaman, too. So let's, you know, evolve from Batman. Where, what was your next step then? Uh, from, from that, um, the next costume that I kind of stretched my wings a bit was um, sort of as a half joke originally. I started talking with some friends about putting together a Hugo Strange outfit because natural progression of being Batman to someone who's trying to figure out why he's Batman and... It just kind of rolled downhill because here is someone who is in a full armor wearing everything to hide everything about the identity to someone who is stripped down to a lab coat and who has a beard and is bald. I remember that. Yeah. <laughs> so. I Well, I have several friends who do shave their heads for, for their characters. And, and I know like with you, you actually do take on these these looks very specifically. So I remember it was like. Holy cow, it's a whole different you. Yeah. Um, what you don't know is up to that point, I have always had long hair uh, since law enforcement training. And it kind of, sitting down with my sister for that Pittsburgh show, um, it was almost like getting tapped to become a Buddhist monk where you'll take the clippers and just shave it straight off. And it was, it was weird. But yeah, I shaved down completely bald but kept my big beard at the time on the lab. Yeah. Well, Allie just did that too. Our, our good friend, Allie, she, uh, she also helps out at the fundraiser and she shaved her head, you know, like 
six months ago, I think it was, but uh, it was for charity. She um, she had such long hair, yeah, and and it just went. You know, she was just like, okay, I have to do it, and uh, you know, but you you've shaved it, um, Jesse. Uh, a lot of the other guys, they they just take that on. They shave their head. But you, obviously, as Batman, can hide that. So you could change costumes. Yeah. That was kind of the way it was planned out. Um, the Saturday, I was Hugo Strange. So I had a shaved head with uh, the big beard. And the very next day, I shaved the beard off and put the cowl on. And you couldn't tell. And I have seen the trick, because this is this is something that I do as Wonder Woman, is I've had several different styles of Wonder Woman, which, you know, it's it's a little bit hard um, as far as the public goes because they really only know one look for her. But um, whereas the Batman suits, they can kind of just, as long as they see a cowl, they know what's going on. Um, Big black cape, pointy ears. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I've seen your little trick for keeping your beard with Batman. Yeah. And that was the, the gaslight version. Where what did... Um, where did that come from? Was it, because I saw that they, there was an action figure of that at the comic shop a while ago, and I thought it was a really cool thing. So um, it was either there or it was online or something, but I remember them being really, really cool. Yeah. So, so yeah, so what was that? Where did that come from? Um, first of all, just, it was... It was just to keep the beard? No, uh, it was more to have something that's comfortable to wear in the summer. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a good, good, really good point, because I've seen the sweat that comes out of the guys in armor. Oh, yeah. Um, so a friend of mine who's back in North Carolina, um, by the name of Bob Kiefer and, uh, and the whole community, he actually originated that costume and was selling it off and I bought it off of him as a complete costume. Well, Bob makes amazing costumes. If you guys don't know him and you're in the market for something, you know, especially like menswear, he does the most unbelievably beautiful men's superhero costumes. Yeah. Um, I do know the pedigree with that suit, though. Um, the, like, the boots, pants, and shirt and stuff he made and bought. Uh, he also, he sewed the cape. Uh, the cowl, the belt, and the knives that come with it. And I leave the knives at home for most events just because of safety concerns. Um, all of those were made by uh, Tom Terrell. Uh, known as the Bat Texan online. Oh, is that his real name? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, he made that cowl, and it is it is fantastic. Well, I love steampunk, so uh, so seeing like this gaslight Batman, I thought was really cool, and it did look really much more comfortable and wearable as a you know something that could be seen and something that somebody, if they went home and wanted to fight crime, that they would have cobbled together versus the type of Kevlar thing that we're used to seeing for Batman these days. It, it has a very kind of homemade look and feel to it. And it is by far and large the most comfortable costume that I have to wear. And is there something that's really specific gadget wise that sets that version of Batman off? Like, I mean, cause like steampunk, I know it as, I mean, they love their gadgets. That's what they do. But Batman already was really, like, the gadget guy to begin with. That suit and um, that character in general doesn't really rely on gadgets so much. Um, what kind of sets it apart is it has, like, a, a sewn leather look to it. And he doesn't have batarangs. He has a couple knives on his belt. And that, that's pretty much it for the character. It's kind of like an old weightlifter's belt with uh, pockets sewn in for... 
uh, the knives. Wow, nice. So then from, okay, so then you went to Hugo Strange. See, I always want to say Doctor Strange, but I know that's really confusing to people. Totally. <laughs> but, <laughs> but he is a doctor. Yes, he is. Like, I also say Doctor Spock, but I know <laughs> that's wrong. That's the kid that writes, ba- the guy who writes baby books. But, um, but Doctor Strange really is a doctor, and his name's Hugo Strange. Different, different Doctor Strange. Yes. Um, so, okay. Then he's, you know, he's a little bit scarier looking because he's got that whole mad scientist kind of look, yes. obviously. Um, but that's going to be a character that's far less recognizable. So as a, a cosplayer, one of the things that we do and we look forward to is, you know, obviously you get to a convention, you want to take a lot of pictures with people. So when you're wearing something so much with so much less recognition and you could just be mistaken for somebody else so easily, does that change your convention experience? For me, not so much. And you're right. When I wore Hugo Strange, I was constantly being misidentified as other characters. And I just, I rolled with it. Um, a couple of people did recognize me, but a lot of people thought I was, um, I think there's a more local, like, independent artist in the in the, the Pittsburgh area. I don't remember what his name was, but they were thinking I was him. And I was just completely clueless. But I just kind of smiled, grinned, and just went with it. For me... By far and large, costuming aside, most of my friends and people I know, I only really get to see at conventions. So my experience at a convention is more about who I get to hang out with and see for that short period of time uh, than it is to just take on a persona of a costume or something like that. Um, a lot of the costuming I do is more to be part of a group than it is to um, show off. Okay, and when we're talking about going to conventions in in cosplay outfits um part of the trouble is obviously getting around some of the some of the suits are just cumbersome some of the suits have very low visibility like the spideyverse folks um they you know those eye pieces that they have are can be really hard to see see through just like oh my goodness the 501st guys i don't even know how they walk um, <laughs> and then there's, you know, people like, um, you know, our friend Ruby, who does everything kind of on stilts, except for his Batman, his really yeah. cool, awesome, <laughs> his awesome retro Batman. But, um, but he does a lot of stuff on stilts. So when you're, when you're at a convention and there's, there, you know, do you have problems navigating and getting around in any of your outfits? Oh yeah. Um, some people may not know this, but I wear glasses. And I do not have contact. Um, so wearing a cowl, I can't wear my glasses. Oh, my goodness. So I'm kind of going around half blind when I'm in the bat suit, which is why almost always I'll have someone with me who is kind of um, half guide, half handler. Because not being able to see and not being able to hear well, I do need someone kind of spotting for me. Um but on top of that, also, um, my main concern as I'm walking, because of the way the cape is set up, and I often will kneel for photo ops with uh, shorter kids and stuff, I'm always fearing stepping on my cape and stumbling or pulling it out or choking myself with the cape as it spins around. So I hook my fingers around the cape edges, and I'll kind of keep the cape out from where I'm stepping. That way I can keep my head up and trying to keep an eye out of people running into me and stuff. 
So these sound like tricks like that you would learn in a theater. Did you have any theater backgrounds? I do not, actually. Uh, I don't either, except for painting sets. Like, I was a behind-the-scenes theater person. I did not do anything on a stage. I took a few drama classes, like, in middle school, but that's about my experience. Wow. Um, because obviously this is a sort of thing that can be, can be, doesn't have to be, very theatrical for for people, especially around kids. You kind of, that's the only time I really do anything character-wise is if there's kids around. Um, but, what, you know, I don't do contests. I've, I, I had done, I think, two, and then I had actually judged a contest or two. And now I just don't even bother because they're really normally very, very crowded. Do you, have you ever done contests? Aside from... The uh, the Batman premiere event, uh, I have generally shied away from being anywhere near contests. I've been, like, I held places in line for friends and stuff who were entering in, but I've never entered, I've never judged outside of that. The whole contest competitive scene is something I've never really been keen on, because I'm, for me, building a costume and assembling it is, it's fun. But I'm also trying to learn skill sets from my work. And... As much as other people may judge my own work, my harshest critic is always going to be myself. And uh, that's enough competition for me. Oh, yes. I, I agree with you. I just, um, uh, obviously, there is there is some money to be won in some of those competitions. And, I, and what's interesting is the people <laughs> have probably spent two to three times as much as any of that prize money. <laughs> oh, yeah. So it's not like you're going to be really recouping any, anything, but um, I guess I guess it's nice for, for some of the shows because then they'll give you maybe passes or something to the next show, whatever it is. But um, yeah, it's not really my, my thing either. How did you get involved then with charity work? Because um, obviously you come up to New Jersey for Superhero Weekend, but was there anything else that you were involved in incorporating costumes and charity work? Before then, not really. I was just wearing costumes for fun here and there, uh, with almost no experience in making them my own. And it wasn't until I started to figure out that I could do that kind of thing. And it's like gathering to see friends outside of a convention setting, so it's away from big, big crowds. It's more casual, and you can actually kind of do something positive with what you're doing. And for me... That was, first and foremost, the more laid-backness of it was very appealing. And if I could help other people by dressing up, it was just kind of just one more thing. Have you gotten the chance to meet any of the Gotham creators? Obviously, the Gotham books are like the biggest of the, the DC books, from what I understand, anyway, of the sales numbers. But um, something like Batman's in like 17 titles or something. <laughs> but... Um, Obviously, you work down at a comic book store, too. So what's it like, you know, meeting creators? Did you ever meet them while you were in character as one of somebody that they wrote or drew? There is a funny story about that. <laughs> okay, we must hear Okay. Uh, a couple years back uh, at Baltimore Convention, uh, at Baltimore Comic Con, I was wearing my Dark Knight suit, just hanging around. And I had been on the floor for a couple hours, and I was off on the steps where uh, the entrance used to be, um, kind of half dismantled, cooling off, just relaxing a little bit. And a guy comes up with his wife and kid in tow, and he just kind of 
asks if he could have a photo, and all day had been going on. And I was like, yeah, sure, give me a minute, let me get my, like, my cowling gloves back on, and it won't be a problem. So I put everything back on, we pose for a quick couple photos, turns around and says, that's a great Batman, probably the best I've seen today. Um, I'm Scott Snyder, I write Batman. And in my exhaustion, I'm thinking, yeah, 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 okay, like, have a good day. And it wasn't until I sat back down and people were pointing out what had just happened that I just had like a double take freak out because it's Scott Snyder, uh, the current writer of Batman. Yeah. Yeah, he is. <laughs> and he's a lovely guy from what I understand. Yeah. Um, for the brief moment when I met him for the photo op, he was extremely nice. He taught um, one of our workshops at Comics Experience, which is done online. Um, so I feel like I get to say that I took, you know, a, a workshop class with Scott Snyder. Yeah. <laughs> Even though I'm sure he has no idea who anybody is. <laughs> but he was really, really cool. Um, and yeah, I went back but... through uh, through his photo galleries to see if he had posted that photo, but he has not. Oh, okay. Because, um, you know, but talking about fatigue and just the the sensory overload and everything we've all i think experienced this because you're not you're definitely not eating and drinking properly when you're in a costume especially something like that where it's you know it's not regular clothes so it's not like you can just pick up and go to the bathroom whenever you want you know if you're wearing something a lot easier then you know maybe it's not so bad but anything with like full makeup and you know you would have to basically spend 15 minutes getting undressed and redressed another 15 minutes so um heat exhaustion and fatigue and stuff like that how how do you manage it because conventions are a long day so are you in the suit all day um i'm a lot smarter about it than i used to be um these days if i wear the bat suit any of the bat suits i have it's only for a show that i'm staying locally for so I try to limit my usage of the suit to only a couple hours at a time. I used to wear it like for four or six hours straight, and that would just kill me. Um, like I am fairly certain at Dragon Con when I wore the suit, I got heat stroke. And that was not a fun day. That was during the DC photo shoot in Atlanta. Labor Day weekend in Atlanta heat on the sun. And it was just, it was brutal. That's the one part about Dragon Con that I don't think I could ever tolerate is because it's Labor Day weekend and it's like the hottest place on earth. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Dragon Con, the only way to survive it is to not go outside. And they do a big, huge, massive parade. I'll watch people's footage of the parade. Yeah. And it's beautiful. Yeah. The, um, the, uh, the day that the parade went on that we were there for. I didn't join the parade, but we had a good view of it from our hotel window. That's nice. It's basically like nerd Mardi Gras, if you don't know what the Dragon Con Parade is like, um, because people get into these big, massive groups, and they troop through the, you know, through the street together on the, on the pathway. So um, there'll be things like a post-apocalyptic group. There'll be a Lego box group. 
the Green Lanterns, there's always so many Green Lanterns themselves. They'll have their own group and then other Lanterns. Um, and then, you know, big, huge, obviously, like things like the, the Stormtroopers and um, G.I. Joe and stuff like that. So uh, any of the video game stuff, I usually can't quite figure out, but they're usually scariest. <laughs> Like Silent Hill. Like, I'm sorry. I don't get it. <laughs> but I can't I can't possibly imagine putting on that much clothes and makeup and going out to walk the streets of Hotlanta. Walking for two miles in the middle of the sun. Yes. Wow. Because that, that's really hard. I mean, I, I've even, like, backed off so much from, from the amount of work that I used to do cosplaying at conventions and stuff. So if it's now, I hardly ever do them at, at conventions. Um like you, I really want to be local so that I can at least go out to my car and peel out whenever I need to. Yeah. Um, but I used to do the, like the really tall boots, the go-go boots and all the, you know, spanks and everything sucking me in and a mask and the wigs. And you just don't realize how warm and overwhelming all that stuff is. And um, there was one time, actually, I think it was Baltimore, maybe. And I wore a very, very comfortable outfit. I wore um, my hot wire from the Awesomes cartoon yep. outfit. So it's just a short little mini dress with a little mini cape. It's actually really, really comfortable. But it does have tall boots and a wig. And I managed to get so much fatigue and heat exhaustion from that and just the anxiety, I guess, maybe, of being at the convention that... Um, you know, one of my dear friends had to get me back to my hotel room because I was freaking lost in two blocks, two blocks away. And I didn't know, I couldn't even tell you my name. I didn't know anything. I was, it was literally like one of those amnesia things you see on soap operas. Yeah. So <laughs> you know, that's when you're just like, I'm just like, help. <laughs> yeah. That's how I used to be after like four hours wearing the bat suit. I would just be in a daze. I yeah, the ba I can't imagine that much latex. I mean, that's like being in a hockey outfit all day. Yeah, I know that you know when you peel off the the helmets and stuff, it's just like pour out a bucket of sweat. Yeah. <laughs> so, is there any sort of like particular care and cleaning of such a complicated outfit that you've learned through all these years of experience? It's all been trial and error. Um, I wipe out the cowl so nothing grows in it and spritz down the, the leather down with whatever cleaning solution I had at the time. I probably don't treat it as well as I probably should, considering what it's made of, but it is still surviving and it doesn't smell too bad. That's how I am with my, my wigs. I do not have any of the proper care stuff to take care of my, my giant box of wigs. Um, first of all, you're not even supposed to keep them in the box, and I still do. There's only so much space in the house. And, you know, but you're supposed to, like, keep your wigs, like, pristine and on, on heads and, and all that stuff. And I don't I do not do that. And I don't have a wig brush or comb or whatever. I'm like, whatever. I use a regular brush. I know. It rips it out, and it's not good. But, um, you know, it's for a day every year. <laughs> it's, it's not like I'm on TV and need to constantly, you know, have a consistent, perfect look all the time. That's something that, that I've definitely personally evolved with is caring less. <laughs> I've, I used to be, like, really worried about 
um, how things looked and if it was, um, you know, what other people would think. And now I, I don't care that much. Yeah. I mean, I have three cowls, a crown, soon to be another helmet, and I have two stands. Yeah. Speaking of your crown, that's for your Hobbit cosplay as Thorin Oakenshield, which is stunning, and it also seems like the perfect character for you. <laughs> um, you know, again, you get to have your really, really long hair, and you get to have your really long beard. Um, was it just, like, coincidence that you liked this character to begin with, or did you just say, like, hey, I happen to look like this guy, I'm going to dress up as him? It's kind of half and half. Okay. Because I've done costumes specifically because I was asked to do them, so... I didn't know what your connection with Thor and Oakenshield was. First and foremost, I've always been a massive Tolkien fan. Like, I read The Silmarillion probably once a year. Uh, more so now that I actually bought the audiobook for it. Cool. I've, not many people will admit that since Silmarillion is, like, trying to read through mud. Yeah, I've heard it's not a, not a pleasant, easy read like The Hobbit. I mean, The Hobbit's a fun read. Yeah. But yeah, I've reading The Hobbit, reading um, Lord of the Rings itself. I actually just finished rereading Children of Hurin since they released it, which is sort of uh, a middle book that kind of fills in some gaps early, early on, like the first age. But yeah, I've I've always loved the Middle Earth world, and visually, I became enamored with what Peter Jackson has done with the films, and when. They designed Thorn Oakenshield to look the way he does in the Hobbit films. Everything just kind of clicked for me. So I let my hair grow out a bit more and started trimming my beard a little bit more. And And voila. How long have <laughs> Yeah, how long has it taken you though to put together the the Thorin outfit? Because I know that the like Kate helped you with some of it and at the same time you were sculpting pieces and doing all kinds of stuff. And like I said, guys, the tutorial is on our website, go to amberonmouse.com. Um, so how long did it take you to really assemble this outfit? Because it looks like it's comfortable, but probably complicated. Um, truth be told, I'm still working on it. <laughs> <laughs> Always upgrading. Always. Always be upgrading. That's the cosplay thing. Um, so all in all, that took maybe a year. Um, with a couple broken deadlines. I've been having a lot of trouble with the brigandine mail that he has. Uh, but the the clothing part is almost entirely sewn by Kate, uh, which I am very thankful for. She does an amazing job on everything. So that's that's very nice and, and awesome. And when we have friends like that, <laughs> that can help us out with everything. I know I turn to my friends for everything. <laughs> I'm surprised I have any left. <laughs> but yeah, it's extremely comfortable to wear because for the most part, almost the entire costume is actual just cloth, which is wonderful for someone who's used to wearing heavy leather and heavier parts. But since then, to help out with that, I have started building some of the hard parts of... And I say hard as in, like, uh, solid hard, not hard as in difficult, uh, though they are that too. Um, elements like... Uh, I've built his sword from early on in the movies. I've never carried it to any convention or charity event just because of fear of like weapons policies and that type of thing. 
it is made out of wood, not foam, so it does have an edge, and it is dangerous if swung around in, in a dangerous way. Um, eventually, I'm probably just going to hang it on my wall as a trophy. Well, you can you can bring it out for photos. I just wouldn't let Andrew get his hands on it because he'll break. It. <laughs> okay, fair enough. <laughs> we have we we have guys who really love props. Yeah, and I I'm one of them. I'll admit that. But yeah, I've uh, been slowly building up uh, a stash of the armor chips for the Brigandine armor when I figure out how to have them stay on the cloth without falling off, like scales. I was actually relieved when you had that problem because I can't seem to get glue to work on anything but my skin. Yeah, same here. <laughs> I have a tray filled with different kinds of glue and I fail at glue. I don't know how I passed kindergarten. <laughs> but yeah, I had, I had everything laid out perfectly on uh, the armor backing and all the pieces looked like they were gluing correctly and I was, I was all excited because I was going to meet the deadline to have the Burgundy armor ready for the superhero weekend event. And I put it in the car and I come out the next day and put it on in the parking lot and they all start falling off. <laughs> and this is what I mean by sometimes you just need to care less. Yeah. <laughs> because it's like, Oh, well we're here. We're going to do this anyway. Yeah. Um, it's different. Like I had, I, my worst, I think wardrobe malfunction was I actually had pants that fell apart. So I had to quickly, um, go back and, and find, I think I had done like a costume change during the day. So I, I had a backpack that had a, a full cat suit in it oh. and I had to like run back to the bathroom and <laughs> take everything off, put the cat suit on underneath and then just wear the, the tops and the wig and everything because my pants just were gone. That's the worst. So, I mean, you know, so you had to deal with the, the scale pieces flaking off and everything. And what, during the upgrades and the skill set building, it's like, you know, it's like if World of Warcraft were real and you have to work on your tasks and your skills and you earn your points, your experience points. So um, one of the things that I do is I've watched some online video tutorials and there's the Superhero Costuming Forum and the Replica, replica Prop Forum. Um, what, you know, what skills and stuff have you learned? Because I, I know that we're, we're working on, we're going to be uploading your tutorial soon for the belt buckle of Thorin and the sword is already up there and the bracers are already up there. So you've had now like what, like a year or more working with this one outfit. So, um, <laughs> yeah. So where are you now in, in trying to solve the problem of the, the glue that doesn't stick? So, what I'm thinking I'm going to be doing with the uh, the armor chips is I'm going to peel off all the ones that are still stuck, because, believe it or not, some have actually stayed on, but the majority have fallen off. So I'm going to take all of them off, and I'm probably going to take my Dremel and drill tiny holes in the corners of each of the chips, and sew them on to the cloth, just so that they have something holding them on. And this is kind of scary because I've only started sewing in a very small amount. Um, primarily from when I made the bracers. I studied bits and pieces on the internet on how to sew leather and some simple sewing techniques. Um, 
so I have like a leather punch and I have um, like waxed twine and giant thread needles and it's it's daunting for me because it's something I have not really worked with and in my head I have this idea that if I don't have the right pattern it won't stay it doesn't matter if it's you know through the hole and like moved around but if it if it doesn't have like a zigzag pattern it won't stay and this is coming from just working with uh like paper mache and fiberglass with that you have a pretty certain idea that once you put the cloth on with the resin you're good sand it you'll be fine but it's the whole nature of like cloth and things that are designed to have some flexibility that just scare me Okay, so these little scale uh, pieces are, they're resin? They're not like a, a clay? Oh, no, they're, they're a clay. They're a clay, okay. Um, and that's the kind that you, you stick in the oven and bake? No, actually, I, uh, I did some research uh, reading up on a couple of other people who have made similar costumes uh, for like Hobbit premieres and stuff. And there's a very lightweight, uh, like dull clay that has, like, fibers and stuff mixed into it. So it's very lightweight, and it has a little bit of flexibility, but not much, um, because the fibers give it some strength. But it's all air-dried. Like, it's not a baked clay. So I'm able to use a, a mold that I made, put the clay in, and pop out the pieces, kind of in an um, assembly line, and let them dry overnight. Okay, so is this a skill that you had, you know, when I think about summer camp and things like that, I mean, did you ever, did you always have an interest in this kind of stuff? Because um, I've always seen you tinkering around with miniatures and pepakura and stuff like that. So is this just one more thing that you've learned or that you've always done? I always played with clay as a kid. And yeah, Play-Doh rules. Yeah. <laughs> it really does. Um, but no, like for years, I hadn't even touched it. And it wasn't until I started working on the Thorin costume that I started realistically researching how to make molds and how to cast things and all of that mess. And there's a lot of trial and error that there are no photos of because it was all one giant mess. But it's all stuff that I've had to watch tutorials online read up on stuff on other articles and figure out what works and what doesn't on my own time. I had been trying that also a few years ago. Actually, it was like when I first started getting into cosplay um, to the point where I didn't even know the word cosplay. We called it costuming. Yeah. <laughs> um, it was, uh, I was really interested in just figuring out how to make masks and special effects stuff because I figured in the long run, it would be, it was just like this, this badge of honor to say that I, you know, if I can make everything myself until I realized the ludicrous notion of that, that sometimes you just outsource stuff. Like if you know people who do it, there's nothing wrong with saying, here's $40. Can I buy an, a domino mask from you? <laughs> Um, the problem is if you if you end up you know with somebody that's not reputable, you always have to research that when it comes to costuming. Um, ask your friends who they buy from. Um, 
I had I've always had decent luck though with my masks that I've had. I have a couple latex ones, and then I switched really from wearing the latex ones to uh, Ravenwood masks. She makes beautiful leather masks, and um, even though I'm vegetarian, I, I admit that I do own a few of those. And um, it's just not it's just not something I think I could figure out how to do. I mean, I, I would make such a mess trying to figure out how to create a mold and watching the tutorials. They're like, Oh, you just do this. You hot glue your positive onto a thing. And then you build a box around it and you fill it with, with silicone and boom, you're done. It's like, it looks like that. It's like a cooking show. You can make this perfect product in 15 minutes. Yeah. It's like, you know, and you, you, it's like an overnight it cures and voila, it's like magic. And it's, you know, I'm like, I don't know. It worked for you, but it's not working. Yeah. <laughs> the, um, uh, the two or three, two or three years of figuring out what doesn't work. Yeah. And when it comes to these raw materials of special effects stuff, that stuff is expensive. Yes, it is. So it's, Honestly, when you're looking at figuring out the budget for your costume, if it's going to cost you only $40 to purchase a mask, in the long run, that might save you money um, because the trial and error of figuring out how to buy jeweler's clay, sculpt it to make your positive, and then, you know, then you have to make your mold of the negative, and then you have to fill it with the actual, whether you're using silicone or latex, there's all different reasons why you would choose different kinds of materials. Ugh, getting mixtures and the color yeah yeah the color dye is another another expense it adds up because it's not like you're buying just the amount that you need because you're buying the amount that they sell and you're buying what you're going to screw up yeah and covering that cost so what anything that's that's like this that involves sculpting i i either fake <laughs> which I've done. Um, like my very first Firestar mask was completely fake. It was, I can't remember what I used as a base. It might've been, uh, I can't remember the name of it, but it, it wasn't Warbla, but it was something along those lines. Like it was like this weird moldable felt stuff. Mm. And, um, and I covered it in vinyl and then the back of it, I sort of painted on a layer of latex so that it would, I would have something to glue to my face. Yeah. And then I upgraded to one of Ravenwood masks, <laughs> beautiful leather mask, because she's very easy to deal with. And I could just tell her, I'm like, well, I'm really looking for this color. And I kind of, you know, and this is what the outfit looks like. And she's like, oh, well, how about I put some gold dust on there? Like, she's just like super to deal with. But yeah, um, that is probably my biggest problem right now. Building anything is in my head. It is perfectly reasonable for me to know and be able to accomplish every single type of skill set required to build a costume from scratch. Have you tried building a Batmobile yet? Uh, not yet. Because <laughs> I have a feeling that's something you would do. Um, I have talked with a couple friends who are more, more car enthusiastic than I am um, about how to even approach it. Generally, I get lots of laughter until they realize I'm serious. <laughs> But it is not something I've actually started to make any serious um, directions towards yet. But it is something I would like to do. I'm halfway there. I already have a black car with a, a proper license plate. It just doesn't have fins yet. That's good. Or you could do something really ridiculous, like a Volkswagen Beetle. 
stick stick fins on the stick nice big spoilers on the back. First appearance Batmobile. It's giant red bug. <laughs> See, I'm not that far off. Nope. It's cool because that comic fusion, it's just sheer coincidence. One of the neighbors, like somebody who just lives in the neighborhood, owns a car that they built into a Batmobile. And it's so we have pictures from free comic book day. I was dressed as Moonstone and um, Jesse was dressed as uh, the latest Doctor Who. And, um, you know, so it was just like it was just luck like this guy just happens to live around there and he parks his car i guess there when he goes to work at the you know there's like two tattoo shops like right by comic fusion so i don't know i think he works in one of them um so we can you know whenever that's there it's like hey can we take pictures and like super nice and awesome like that's he expects it and he knows it's gonna happen and what's better about that is it's never there when i'm in jersey yeah. Yeah, we have to figure this out. Um, hopefully, hopefully we'll get that worked out ahead of time. We, um, you know, we did have a fire truck, though, last year. Yeah, that was awesome. And that was fun. I mean, to imagine, like, all of these uh, superheroes and the imperial, imperial forces from the Empire climbing all over a fire truck. Yeah, just scrambling over it. <laughs> Like, everywhere. Like, we were on the hoses, on the roof. It didn't matter. We were just all over that thing. And they were cool. They you know, they were really nice. So, um, so that's good. So, you're coming to Superhero Weekend then this year. I am. You are. And this year, we are doing uh, a few things that are a little bit different. We are cutting off the online bidding a day earlier than we did before. So, um people that are bidding on artwork online only have until Friday the 2nd, October 2nd to get their online bids in. And then that way online bidding in the store is going to end Saturday, October 3rd. And then Sunday will be dedicated to in-store raffles. So the raffles are always something that you have to be there for because you have to buy the tickets and stick them in the, the bag that you want. It's sort of uh, like a tricky tray kind of a thing. Um, so we're in the early stages now and we do have some of the sketches posted and, um, I know a few of the costumers that are coming and we're working on who our creators are. Sarah Donner is coming and she is always magnificent just to listen to. Um, Eric Grissom and Phil Sloan are going to join us on one of the days. And they write a couple of my work on a couple of my favorite books. They do uh, Dead Horse together, and Eric also writes Planet Gigantic, which is fantastic. So yeah, so we're we're in these planning stages and getting everything worked out. And we're and we're working for a new charity this year. It's a very big deal because we we've been working for the same charity for like eight years. So we're we're working for a new charity called Casa Shaw, and it's uh, an acronym that that basically just means the Court Appointed Special Advocates for Foster Families in our area. Okay. So uh, so we're doing things for for foster kids this year. And uh, so Gareth, I know that you have a Facebook page besides writing for Amber and Mast, which is phenomenal. Um, but you have a Facebook page called Gotham RD. Yeah. And like, that's pretty much your only web presence, right? 
Uh, these days, yes. I used to have other pages and stuff, but I have left a lot of those to the wayside just from not having much time. But yeah, all of my crafting stuff, um, miniatures, painting, um, costuming, pretty much all of my craft stuff is on that site. Okay. Are there any new big plans, like new characters that you're working on for this year? My hope is to finish my Iron Man build this year, finally. Okay, no pressure. Get it done whenever you get it done. Um, it's been a long ride for me to have an Iron Man suit, and it's something I've been trying to have built for a long time. But I am, like, within distance to see the finish line at this point. Okay, and what are you making it out of? Uh, it is primarily foam. It's another uh, style of building an armor suit using uh, paper crafting patterns cut into foam. And I've been working on the foam to seal up the edges, make it a little more smooth, and uh, throwing in a couple more uh, tricks with some of the joints so that it looks a little more uniform. And it's been a, a rough ride because the patterns weren't shaped properly for my body size. And I've had to change some of the design aspects for some of the joints. And all in all, for like the last couple of years, it's been a tremendous learning experience working with the materials. That sounds like something that would take an epic amount of time, not only to learn, but even if you knew it, just to put it together. Yeah. I built a couple versions of it early on, um, different versions of the Iron Man suit. They never really quite worked for me, um, but each time I would build one, I would build it a little quicker. I would kind of know what I was doing a little more, and ultimately with this suit, I started from scratch and started building it up, and all in all, it's come together pretty quickly. Uh, the hardest part, though, is the majority of the work has to be done outside with like the painting and fumes and stuff like that. And with the summer, it is just unbearable to work on out in the heat. Plus things really uh, cure and dry differently in, in humid humidity and heat and stuff like that. Oh yeah. Is there, you have any last minute advice for really? I mean, like, I don't want to talk about like dealing with uh, actual, like, outsider trolls and stuff but I just mean like getting out of your own head you said that you were your worst critic mm -hmm. so do you, ha do you have any advice in your your years of uh, martial arts and trying to just practice a wellness path and everything what what advice could you possibly give for, for those of us that end up so self-critical no matter how complicated something may look ultimately what matters is just starting. The hardest path to learning any skill set is just to start. Um, when it came to working in foam, for months I was mulling about, like, what kind of foam? Um, where do I get the foam? What type of glue do I use? What type of finishing? How do, how do people have it look smooth? All of that just comes with starting. First place I looked for for foam sheets was like Michael's, any local craft store. If they don't have it, 
they'll know where to go. It's all about just starting with the Iron Man suit. It was more about not just sitting around looking at pictures, though that is a good idea to get an idea of what you'd like to do, but you just begin working on it. It may take forever, but you'll learn as you go along. You may get frustrated, set it aside for a, a day or two, come back to it a little bit later. Like any project worth working on, whether it be writing, drawing, or building anything, you just start it. I think that's wonderful advice because it happens to be what my biggest hang-up is. Yeah. <laughs> I spend more time doing research as a procrastination technique <laughs> than really needing it. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So, I have no idea if my uh, plans for a new outfit will be done for Superhero Weekend, but there's plans. Um, if I don't make it, I don't make it. I'll wear something else. Um but that's, but that's that. So uh, for you listeners out there, go to Facebook and just type in Gotham RD and you'll find uh, Gareth's cool, awesome page filled with uh, the stuff that he's working on, the projects. And at amberunmasked.com, you can go to our tutorials section and uh, we have costume tutorials. I actually have things that I call writing tutorials, but just because I didn't know what else to file it under. Um, but mainly there's, there's costume tutorials, which include like... Um, all of our tutorials include the things we've messed up. That's, we have very, very honest tutorials. And um, you can go to patreon.com slash amberunmasked to sponsor us in the show to make sure that we keep this rolling along. And follow me on Twitter at Elizabeth Amber. So, Gareth, thanks for you know for coming out to, to the Skype world and joining me today. Oh, you're quite welcome. And I will be seeing you October 3rd and 4th at Superhero Weekend. Indeed.